Welcome back, everybody, to Trash Future Bonus Time. It's the bonus episode. Uh, it's Rodkin Bick. I've launched a coup on the podcast. <laughs> I've taken it over. Oh, you guys are really missing out on Riley's face. But this time, the politician's child you've got on board is Stephen Kinnock, so it's somehow going to be even more inept. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, yeah. It's uh, Riley, Milo, and Alice for this bonus episode. Um, Jerk Vanderclerk was unable to make it, it turns out. (laughs) No, you only (laughs) encourage him to do it more. (laughs) (laughs) It was originally Biltong Vanderclerk, but they changed it to Dallas Island. (laughs) Uh, And... We're also joined uh, by friend of the show, repeat guest, Ju- Juliet Jocks of Sweet 212. Juliet, how's it going? Uh, yeah, it's going all right. Um, is there anything else you are of, or is that still the main thing you are of? Um, I mean, that's, that's the main thing I'm of and attached to. I have a new book coming out, but it's not quite been announced yet, so I can't announce it. Uh, you can't even um, do a plug. That sucks. No. Yeah, shit. Um, but Secret book. To- Go to julietjakes.com and you can see all the stuff I've been freelancing on. I'm actually right for freeze mm. now. So, yeah. That's yeah. Um, personally, I'm, I'm excited to see what your reimagining of the Harry Potter universe will look like. <laughs> 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 Fantastic genders and where to find them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's all about this um, like wizard who like goes through this kind of really, really extensive and difficult three and a half year gender reassignment process where it just takes fucking ages to get hormones and surgery out of gatekeepers and it turns out they could have just done some sort of spell and just transitioned really quickly all along um yeah, yeah that's the punchline at the end i mean i've ruined the book now but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, books cla- there's the classic things with punchlines look here's the thing we haven't done a startup in a while that's right so i've got one in front of me right now folks Fingers on buzzers. Uh, everyone does does have a buzzer. Oh, right? I mean, I, I literally, I literally do. I can just. <laughs> <laughs> All the trash future buzzers are just the N word. That is the. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, fingers on the children of men drop. Yes. Um. Okay. So, it is called view. Yeah. Uh, how we? How do we be spelling that? Yeah. Uh, the normal way. Oh. The n- oh. oh. Okay. Shit tier. No good. No, no thank I'm, you. I'm, I've already lost interest. The fact that it's I, not I am... V, U, E, and then somehow also a W. Um, Alice, that's mm. just a cinema. Yeah, no, but with a W on the end. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Juliet gets the first guess as she is the guest. Juliet, what do you think View does? Oh, I don't know. It's let you download porn or something. Um... Okay, so we have a Pornhub downloader like you would have for YouTube somehow mm. as a startup. Right, now Milo. I can get drops from Pornhub to put on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Riley Reed's rap. Yeah. Shut up before I come back there and slap your tits. <laughs> um, is it an app that lets you somehow through like a linked camera spy on your neighbors or something? That's just Ring, isn't Not it? Not quite. That's just Ring. That already exists. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but it, do it, do sometimes do it already exists. <laughs> Come on, let's see. Most of Elon Musk startups already exist. Like, remember when he pitched that car that would kind of stop at different places in a city, so you didn't have to just oh, stop yeah. at one place in a city, oh, like on a train. Um, ah, is it a, a fucking uh, a window with an LED screen in it that displays <laughs> any view that you want? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. With the slam dunk, oh, it is no. a window. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> 
but 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 here's the thing: you're partially right. It is okay. a window startup. Okay. Um. Right. It does not display whatever view you want, though. You have to pay uh, extra Alice. for the DLC views. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise Alice gets to control what you see. Does it let you look at porn through someone's window? Uh, Alice, uh, give me, mm. c- complete this startup, then we know it's a window, <sighs> a smart windows company. Fuck, I don't know. It, it, like, it displays a curated selection of views designed to like inspire your entrepreneurship. Okay, yeah, you also got another part of it right. It is designed to improve productivity. There um, is it a window that has windows installed on it. Very funny. So you can get clippy in your window. Yeah. Uh, other tagline is our mission: colon delightful human environments. <laughs> we have oh. to have colon. Oh. It yeah. Sounds, it sounds like a terrarium. It kind of must be right. Like you, you work in a windowless basement office, but we will have installed this like expensive LED window for you. I, for one, yes. welcome our new tarantula overlords Again, who will be keeping us in Terraria. You're all like, you're all kind of working out between you what this thing does. Uh, next tag, next item of the marketing: Are your blinds making you less smart? <laughs> yes. I told you last night. No. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet, are your blinds making you less smart? Um, I mean, it's hard to tell, really. Like, my blind is really shit. Um. This is yeah. This is, you can this is like how really I got this yeah. way. This is why I became a podcaster. Is my I would I could have gone to uh, I could have gone to fucking MIT and like invented stuff, but instead I got a shitty blind, and it made me an irony podcaster. Listen, listen here, buddy. I like my lead blinds, and I like chewing on them. <laughs> and it wouldn't and it doesn't even matter if they're making me dumber because the Chinese are putting chemicals in the water. <laughs> uh, the next phrase is trademarked. Your window to wellness. Oh, oh no! Wait, isn't that just Doctor Nick clear. from The Simpsons? The way to understand it is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love looking at these startups, right? Because all of a lot, anytime they have like any kind of medical research behind it, which this one, boy, does it ever! You just read mm. all of the papers about the about it's like spurious health claims in Dr. Nick's voice. Are your blinds giving you a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg? <laughs> View smart windows result in happier, healthier, and more productive occupants. Um, mm, some working to be shown here. Yeah. <laughs> um, the key, and it is the key to a happy and engaged workforce. Yeah, again, you, citation needed. Um, is this going to be like a fake window that stockbrokers can like jump out of onto some crash mats when the market goes down? <laughs> VR, you're killing yourself during the next financial crisis. <laughs> so it says, um, uh, it is a complete product. A view is more than just a window. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, it's an intelligent <laughs> predictive system. if it was system. just a window, who would give a shit, right? It would just be well, just predictive. Is it going well, to like, so predict com- the development of the area around you or something? Like, you get it set this- up in shortage and just it will just show you what it will look like in 10 years. <laughs> so this company, it's not valued at over a billion dollars. Its most recent funding round was over a billion dollars. So it's valued at least several billion dollars cool that's good we'd love to see that what? um why so it's it's not and so if it would well you wouldn't a, a window company wouldn't be valued no, at, no, uh, at several billion dollars windows it would be fucking cheap it would have to be more than a window alice we need to okay we need to start a, a stupid startup and just that's completely a con raise several billions in funding and then just retire mm-hmm. like that is okay 
Yeah. All right. All right, smart guy. What what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna do more uh, than a window. Clearly, it's a whiteboard. This your phone. <laughs> solar powered transphobia. Um, Ooh, it just Ooh. what the guardian got solar panels. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love environmentally friendly transphobia. That's, yeah. that's kind. That's right. Prote- protesting ag- against the bathrooms, both because people are going in there as the gender they identify, and also their toilets aren't low flow. Yeah. <laughs> I love like a, a diesel generator powering my robot bathroom inspector. <laughs> <laughs> just, just belching out smoke. It's like, human, human, are you in the correct waste receptacle? <laughs> You're yeah. just this predicting is a, this is a big metal straight fringe. Hell's next policy announcement, dude. <laughs> now that's how you trigger the lip. Right so are you suggesting some kind of bathroom Gundam that's yes. powered by coal? Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, okay, coal well. mined in the heart of Australia. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically, yeah. So view. It's more than a window. Awesome. Uh, whenever I look at a window, I'm like, damn it. I wish there was something else getting involved more here. Than a window. More than this thing that I'm currently experiencing. I wish it was more than that. Is this? Is this mere plate of glass that allows light to travel from outside my house to inside my house? Couldn't it be doing more for me? It's letting light from outside <laughs> come into my ass without permission. <laughs> so it's an intelligent and predictive system that adds value to any building. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Much like a window. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is. So they basically they make this something called dynamic glass. Which has proprietary okay. electrocomic coating inside their high-quality insulating glass unit, designed and mac- manufactured in the USA. So it spies on people. Um, um, sort of. The United States of Armenia. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, no, it's it's like it those is... bathroom doors that you like touch and it turns frosted. Yeah, yeah, Alex. They, they just brought yes. that out of a club bathroom. This is the most cocaine idea. <laughs> yes. This is like in um, club bathroom, thinking, what can I monetize? Oh, that door's quite interesting. What if I could like sell that to people to put in their houses because it's more than a window? So you can basically for... turn your office into infernos and clap at yes. that. What was that? That's fucking right. The standard of birds will be. It's outrageous. <laughs> uh, so... it's, a, it's a window that turns to you and says, Oi, mate, got any Charlie? <laughs> uh, so in this case, um, it's actually mostly for office buildings because the idea is if an if a um, if something like a WeWork or a Regis, which is now called something else, like IWG, um, wants to say, look, come rent our office building. We have view windows and view yeah. windows have all of these benefits. We have a window that will spray cologne on you for a quit. <laughs> and so the and so the idea is the window automatically like changes um, its tint according to the, the sun. Okay. So it's like a transitions brand, indoor, outdoor well, uh, lenses, but for your building. don't work well. Yes. Normal. Uh, so, what does, and, so, and it also has, for the building manager, it has connected controls, which means that instead of just having windows, what you have is, quote, a connected, addressable, and infinitely configurable glass network. One of my network. employees tries to unionize, and I just cause the blinds to open in the middle of the day on their desk only, vaporizing them in an enormous <laughs> ray of sunlight. <laughs> do, not, do not call me the manager. I am now the lord of night. <laughs> and now I decide whether it is light or not. <laughs> and it also has the intelligence app. The brains behind View Dynamic Glass is a predictive automated system you control with your fingertips. So what does it do? Hmm. 
intelligence predicts when reflected glare and shadows from neighboring structures and no, trees uh, will not ensure to, all day occupant comfort not and delight. Not to do ancient alien stuff it here, might. but I, I will point out that knowing where the sun was going to be at what time of day was something that people did invent several thousand years ago. Yeah, but did they build it into an app? Why would... I yeah, guess... Silence is deafening. A, a pyramid? Yeah. Um... Does this, let the, does this let the God King's car roam about uh, while his body rests in the land of endless reeds? I think not. Yeah, that's that, no, that's the next one. Allow the God King's car. Um, no, so uh, predictive weather feeds in real time sensors anticipate and respond to cloud cover. This allows optimum daylight levels even on overcast days. Now, here's the thing, right? These are just a bunch of solutions in search of a problem, and it's in, it's worth here reminding yourself that. Basically, connecting the weather app to some transitions brand indoor outdoor uh, lenses is worth billions of dollars. Yeah, it's what the it's what the workplace is crying out for. You see, back in the day, there were no windows in the pyramids, so that you never knew what time of day it was. Whereas if they'd have had these, different story. Yeah. Also, still be alive. once again, the workplace, a place yeah. that we all go to now. Um, I I see no problems with this startup. Oh yeah, Irish Pharaoh Tommy O'Commonly. <laughs> intelligence, intelligence knows where each occupant's desk is located and the use of the well, space. At home now. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Operation is fine-tuned based on actual occupant requirements to ensure comfort. So don't worry. Even mm. if there was an office, this would be spying on you. But like, so it could open the blinds if it was going to oh, uh, start. It, it racially profiles you and determines how much sun you can withstand. <laughs> View intelligence also accounts for the architectural features of the building, such as overhangs and external shading. Again, not something an architect or some curtains could ever do. No. Billions of dollars needed to solve this problem. And finally, the view sky sensor measures illuminance using multiple photo (laughs) and infrared sensors. That's the word. Mm. This gives your building up-to-date and exact local information that feeds into intelligence Look operations. At, so yeah. Much like a window! Yeah, it's like when it's like, how sunny is it outside? Look out of the no, window! No, you can just look at the your phone. Full. You can just look at your phone, because this is more than a window. Yeah, more than a window, Milo. Yeah. Yeah. Alice is like, let's not look out of the window. Let's not go too far. Yeah. So... A survey a of... fucking suntan. So, welcome, welcome to the... Welcome to the Dr. Nick portion of this startup. Um... Natural light and views were ranked one and two in a survey of 1,600 employees as the top two desired workplace amenities alongside on-site cafeterias and gyms. Okay. So We, we talked yeah. to all of There's these never been basement drones, and what they said was, could I have some natural light, please? <laughs> hmm. And if they have, and with view windows, uh, they, they did a controlled study of two offices where people with view windows were three times more excited to go to work and had five times more pride in their company. Yeah, well, in terms of sample size, I think two is actually all you need for a good <laughs> controlled study. So. It's like the song yeah. says, also, two is the magic number. Yeah. Also, yeah. just like, how do you measure pride in your office? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yes, there's, there's a lot more light coming in. I think I might join the softball team. Yeah, that's Uh-oh. fucking right. Yeah, so, anyway, yeah. As we all know, employee drones photosynthesize. <laughs> so, look, as I mentioned, this company was funded to the tune of uh, $1.1 billion in 2018. And I'm going to do a speed round now, um, where uh, the, first ans- the first answer, the first question has an answer of one word. The second answer question has an answer of two words. And the third 
as an answer of one word. And I only want to hear that number of words out of uh, you. And remember, you're always asking the question that was previously asked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the pre- if you're calling about the elderly, that was last week's pre-taped call-in show. Um, all right, so, uh, Alice, who funded it? Uh, SoftBank. Yes, correct. Fuck. Uh, Milo, describe... Milo, describe its supply chain in two words. Uh, completely fucked. No, no, Reverse come on. Factoring. Ding, yes, correct. Uh... <laughs> what shape would you say best describes the financing relationship between View Windows, SoftBank, Greensill, and Credit Suisse until just recently? Pyramid, pyramid. No, Milo, wrong shape. Oh, fuck. Uh, Juliet, what's the shape? Is Ponzi a shape? Circular is the answer uh. I was looking for. Mm. So yeah, SoftBank. Wet ass it was, it was a, It's a SoftBank company that has been reverse factored and was in a circular financing relationship between Credit Suisse, Greensill, and, and then its owner. I love to. Oh, I yes. love to have my pensions raided by my windows. <laughs> cool. Remember Robert Maxwell? Awesome. He's back in window form. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move on, I, I I've grabbed uh, a. Basically, uh, view Windows uh, blogs, and they have a blog, awesome. and they've had two blogs since coronavirus started, one from May, which was some boring nonsense, uh, and one from March, which was some funny, boring nonsense. Okay, hit me. The one from March is called A Sense of Purpose. Yeah, uh, okay. Which mm. is, uh, again- Something these people have never experienced. Which is, uh, again, a post made by- uh, the CEO of the uh, smart multi-billion-dollar smart window company that replicates uh, technologically what happens when you look out of a normal window, and then automates closing the curtains, um, and uh, also basically just exists to have just cheap credit pumped through it like a long, like a long brain-dead corpse that that the uh, children won't unplug. So mm. let's talk about a sense of purpose. As the CEO of a technology company that strives to inspire change, I am an eternal mm. optimist. Cool. You'd have to be an optimist to found this company. And he's constantly, the thing is, these people are optimists, but they're always constantly proven right. Like, because it doesn't, like, the company is completely stupid, but, like, they just get proven right to the tune of several billion dollars every time. Because it is, it functionally is like a pyramid scheme, because all you need is some people stupider than you. You don't need a good idea. You need a, an idea that is good enough that some dumb people will think it's a good idea. Well, the other thing to remember, right, is is it's less than thinking of everyone here as as stupid. It's good to think of them as have as uh, obeying a different set of incentives that you don't fully understand. Yeah, stupid incentives. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, like with view, right? Once you invest in it the first time, it's much as the investor, you're much better off continuing to mark the value of your own asset by continuing to set the value of the company by buying portions of it at inflated prices. So mm. I, it's, I mean, and SoftBank's whole game. We've talked about this before. You know, SoftBank's whole game was always um, to pick winners by just massively overinflating the value of companies. Because what's a billion dollars to the Vision Fund? Not much. Um, mm. So it's 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 like it is a moronic idea, and it's one that has been installed on like a few buildings. But then like. If you're listed on some of those uh, Credit Suisse marketing documents as a client of Greensill, I don't imagine you have many buildings. Um. <laughs> Every time I hear Vision Fund, I just think of like money doing ayahuasca. <laughs> I mean, I mean, kind of. Is. What better way to describe yeah. it? Yeah. 
Um, I believe in a few weeks, once we've learned to move to the rhythms of the new world, we will adjust. Excuse me. <laughs> it's it's rainbow rhythms. Um, yeah. <laughs> the know. rhythms are just a fucking drum circle. The rhythm of the new world is, is not, you know, really particularly um, kind of banging because we're all at home, not able to go anywhere or yeah. do anything. You know, mm. it's the rhythm of like some sort of like ambient track by like Wolfgang Voigt or something it's, um... it's it's a bit it's a bit gawker isn't it yes we shall be moving to the rhythms of the new world <laughs> so join says, me join me in the dojo of the new world sir it says we all we will adjust we always do again from the perspective of a tech CEO, it's just like, huh, looks like the world's adjusting to the new the rhythm of the new world. And then again, mm. in the real world, like lots of people are dead. Losing the house. And he's yeah. like, ah, the cosmic ballet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what it's what we choose to do. People are gonna get evicted this month. Um uh, I remember it being double digits. Yeah. Half of mm. them. Yeah. Cool. But hey. If they get evicted, that's their opportunity to maybe move into a, a some kind of yeah. slum with view windows. Did you know that the Chinese word for uh, crisis and opportunity is the same? Yeah, crisis-tunity. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, exactly why they're using TikTok to take over the world. It's what we choose to do during this time that will truly matter, again, says the CEO of a window st- company. stupid window company. Yeah. Uh, my hope for us is that we'll use it to look forward and stay positive. Do you think they've got like one massive glazing van that drives around continuously? It would be very funny just to imagine this this business being started by just like two just like really overambitious tradesmen. <laughs> <laughs> just that like you can't stop saying yes to the requests of an insane billionaire and accidentally got funded by SoftBank. It's just a normal fucking window, but we told them that it's a smart window. But they'll never be able to fucking tell. What's a smart window? I don't fucking know. They don't fucking know either. Eight billion quid. <laughs> Beyond survival, perhaps the most important thing for a human being is a sense of purpose. If you're an emergency mm. room doctor, a nurse, a firefighter, or a paramedic, you're feeling an extreme sense of purpose right now. Lives are literally <laughs> in your hands. Well, and the good news is you're highly motivated. I say to sense like, of purpose intensifies. Yeah, I say to like a doctor who is like collapsed on the floor from heat stroke, wearing all the fucking PPE for seven hours. And mm. also, like this whole article is basically a sleight of hand to be like, as a tech CEO, I'm a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also true. great to be like, you know, what they lack in what they lack in material wealth, they really make up for in, you know, the enrichment of the soul. Um, each of us already had a sense of purpose before we got into this. Your sense of purpose could be to support your customers. So, you know, again, uh, a, cust- a, oh. a, a tech CEO or like a product manager is much the same as a doctor or a nurse, except instead of saving people from literally dying, you're helping to optimize ROI. When did, when did capitalism become so pathetic? <laughs> like, remember, the, remember like, what it used to like, like, like run. Yeah. Um, yeah, good, it's a good chat. I love Juliet coming in with a concrete answer. That's what we like on this show. Yeah, because I, I feel like 40 or 50 years ago, you could just like get a job and it just be a job. Whereas now I like, I am passionate about customer service. No, you're not. No one's passionate about customer service. Customers are cunts. I hate them. Yeah, it's Kill that. Them. It's that. And it's like, you know, because that really reminds me of a job I had a few years ago. I was having my appraisal in my um, PA job for the recently... Uh, restructured uh, NHS primary care trusts. And, you know, my boss just said to me, like, your heart's not in this job, is it? And I just said, does it need to be? And sort of just explained all the ways in which my job didn't require anyone to actually give a fuck about it. Uh, and that was what kept my job. She kind of said, no, I guess I guess you don't. 
I just said, you know, I, 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 I turn <laughs> you up. blackpilled your boss. I turned up, <laughs> I said, I turn up on time and I do all the work I'm given. I ask for more work if I finish the work I've got. Like, do I have to like it? Um, <laughs> uh, she was like, your heart's not really in this. And you were like, for you. <laughs> uh, you. You might ask, how can I pay attention to my customers' pain so I can be more supportive as they live through this yeah, time and be helpful that. when they come how out of it? in pain. <laughs> if you are in charge of a production line that is still running, you can ask yourself, how do I safely continue to produce and keep the economic engine running? So Hello, is your production line running? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to call every, you got to call this guy. He's like, hi, is your production line, <laughs> line running? Just, uh, you commercial real estate cock. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, 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 so it can spin back up to normal when this is all over. If you're the leader of a company, perhaps your sense of purpose can be in communicating often and with honesty as you navigate this uncertain period. So yeah, your sense of purpose can be firing people, so then they have to go get taken care of by after they get like evicted from their house by one of the other people who uh, you said have a real sense of purpose now. Yeah, but it makes you feel, feel like- bad, which is much like having coronavirus in that respect. This uh, this thing gives me the energy of like you're getting a tarot reading from Patrick Bateman after he lost his job in the financial crisis and had to retrain. <laughs> um, this crisis has the potential to bring out the best or worst in us. Huh? Sure, it Damn, sure could really it go sure either does. way. At any given Sunday. Yeah. Th- thank you. Yeah. It, it's it sure was a game of football uh, where the goal <laughs> in was the game to of put politics, the ball in the net. There's one captain, and it's the president. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, having a startup ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep raising money for a window. <laughs> it's our choice. It's heartening to see the best of humanity and the generosity of so many people around the world. Again, also, this guy, all of this guy's money is coming from, like, the Saudis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very generous people. The Saudis, very generous. He does very think generous. that. Very nice guys have got big orbs. Remember, it's an orb, folks. he does actually think that because when Trump went to go like do his Mohammed bin Salman is, is your friend tour of Saudi Arabia, mm. he just like, they just put his face in the side of a hotel and then he was like, I'm Muslim now. <laughs> um, it's heartening to see the best of humanity. I'm the best Muslim. No one prays more than me. <laughs> it's yeah, KFC right. Honestly, I love Alan. It's KFC halal because if it is, then he can't become Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the greatest innovations were also born during times of great uncertainty. What the fuck is being innovated right now? Spinning Jenny, Windows. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Juliet. I forgot. I forgot all the earlier stuff we talked about. Windows. It's uh-huh. more than Windows. Yeah. It's more than a window. Yeah. Well, but what what is being invented other than like more than a window? <laughs> we have like what? We we have like ways to keep employees surveilled. Like that's like taking a gigantic leap forward. Um, we have like what different ways for Amazon to like uh, to monitor its own, not just monitor its own employees, but like automate what they can and de-skill all the work they can. Like, what is being innovated here, you fucking moron? Blog posts. Yeah. yeah, posts. It's an innovative way to scam money. Yeah, sure. The conventional world has been turned upside down. As in non-nuclear? What's up? Meanwhile, in Australia, no, it fucking isn't. <laughs> it was I- always this way up. <laughs> But I work with some of the most ambitious, innovative, caring, committed, and resilient bunch of financial tricksters that inspire me to be positive and believe in a brighter future every day. A brighter? I just got that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, huh. I don't know when this should we, crisis... Should our startup, as an affront to God, build a, a, like a giant tower that will blot out the sun? Yeah, I think we should probably do that. Yeah, just okay. fuck with this guy's window business. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, let's... We just have to build, like, hostile architecture around every building that has a view window. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that's fucking the, right. But, but hostile architecture for a view window, though, would just be like... A, a gigantic garage door, like a gigantic wall that has portions of it that open and close completely and unpredictably at random. Yeah, that would be awesome. That largely makes the uh, intelligence app system completely useless. A bit like when they when they built when they built that walkie-talkie building in London and it kept melting people's fancy cars. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Also, because of all those buildings, they've created like a dangerous wind tunnel. Awesome. In awesome. Uh, the southern bit of the city. Oh yeah, rules. I'd love to go kite surfing <laughs> through Canary Wharf. Um. No, it's in the city. Uh, anyway, I don't mm. know how when this crisis will come to an end, but I can assure you it will. Oh, thank you, Mr. Window Man. Uh, there will be another side to this. We will come out of the tunnel. Let's take this time to decide what kind of world we want to see when we do. Anyway, once the um, circular financing relationship between Greensill, Credit Suisse, SoftBank, and uh, companies including VIEW, OYO, FAIR, and I think Katera was revealed, uh, VIEW didn't do any more blog posts after huh. that. Huh. Huh. Oh. Maybe he's just having a break. Yeah, it's self-care. <laughs> anyway, so if you... Oh, the window opens. That's when I know it's time to say good morning, Theo. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, I didn't know Andrew. Oh, Andrew. Oh, you have to record an episode of Bunta Vista and can't be here? Hmm. Oh, nuts. Oh, they've given me an episode of... Uh, they've given me a smart appendix. <laughs> <laughs> yep, let's rod. <laughs> Anyone else want to be on the podcast? <laughs> Julia, do you want to replace yep, I'm, Milo? I'm right here. Invite me anytime. Um, I think it's I think time he's we doing a very good job. Um, I think it's time we be, we bring back the idea of replacing Milo with a tropical fish. I don't know what this has to do with Milo at all. <laughs> he's not even here. I think I prefer Jerk Vanderclark. <laughs> I will. I think that is a very big compliment, actually. <laughs> uh, so... Let's 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 move on from view. I I love talking about SoftBank startups, and I especially mm. love talking about the ones that get implicated in the circular financing scandal involving green It seems, the, it seems like every great. week there's a new one of them. I wonder how that could be happening. Yeah, yeah. SoftBank is the slightly down, like uh, dumbed down version. Before that, they were Bankball. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you. So uh, let's um let's talk a little bit about uh how. Uh, how Alice and Juliet uh, are at different pro points in the process of uh, having made a decision to give themselves a lot more clout and social privilege uh, by uh, becoming trans. That's because right. we haven't talked about British transphobia mm. in a while, or at least not directly and sort of as a subject. But it keeps it's happening. Been sort of For a, some fucking reason, yeah. it keeps happening. What's up with that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's, huh. so what's I, the I, deal I, with transphobia? <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld speech bubble. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> let's see. We like the, the I guess the the news hook for this right is a few weeks ago, uh, Rosie Duffield, the uh, MP, the Labour MP for Canterbury, who seems to hate everyone who got her elected and just basically loves the idea of uh, stopping Brexit. Of Chad shit, disrespect yeah. the vote picks. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. what they want. Essentially, yeah, that seems to be your politics, which is just like stop Brexit, uh, hate Brexit, hate Jeremy Corbyn, uh, love Labour first, love progress, simple as. Um, that mm. seems to be, and also apparently, um, eight trans people as yeah. well. So yeah. you know, I, 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 which I, eight? I'm, ast <laughs> I'm astonished. You know, um, a British, a British liberal who's um, 
as with he expressed some difficult opinions about transphobia. This veneer of liberalism seems mm, to be chipping yeah. to everyone's shock. Yeah, when you get a when you get a fringe laser cut so straight by NASA that if you scaled it up to the size of the Earth, there would be no topographical features above one meter. <laughs> so, uh, Juliet, can you fill us in a little bit on what what was happening here and how this fits into the broader kind of just crumbling of the last vestiges of what we thought of that Brit- Britain might be redeemable. Uh, oh, I mean, I'm not sure I can really, because to be honest, like I'm just so bored with the whole thing that I, you know, I shouldn't really answer. say this. I'm going to get in trouble, but I've, I've tuned out to a large extent. I mean, I've made a point of working on a big trans related project, which will come out next year, which I kind of control the terms of and is a more sort of positive piece of creativity um rather than just responding to these dickheads all the time because it's boring um you know the whole point of this like endless quote-unquote debate um in the uk media is not to have a debate that can be resolved you know you don't have a discussion it's like well on the one side we've got juliet who's a trans woman who says that trans people's lives would are quite difficult it would be made easier if like quote-unquote liberal politicians and publications didn't endlessly kind of query their right to exist. And on the other hand, we've got, like, Camilla Turfington-Smythe from the fucking Times who (laughs) says that, you know, trans people aren't really who they say we are. We shouldn't really sort of take any of their sort of political analysis or demand seriously, uh, let alone, you know, provide any medical provisions for them. Uh, and maybe there's a point somewhere in the middle um, and we can agree that point and then we can all go home. No, obviously the whole <laughs> yeah. point. Remember, um, if a, if an unsolicited trans person phones you, they could be anyone. Always check with the financial services ombudsman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they'll send the coal-powered robot. Um, yes. Yeah, but, but, uh, Julie, I think that's right. I, I I want to engage with this Rosie Duffield thing as well, not at all. So I'm very glad you brought that up because I, I think that's generally right. The constant debate around... To be honest, the constant debate demanded by the debate shaggers, whatever it's about, you always notice that the debate can never be over. No. We saw it's this in Scotland. Nev- we had the, the consultation for the Gender Recognition Act, and then uh, they didn't like the results because they were overwhelmingly positive, so there's another consultation, and then those results were overwhelmingly positive, and so now we're yeah. just not going to do it, because we don't feel like yeah. that. Well, I mean, in certain yeah. wars, there's a history of... Um, of, of you know countries like opening up a battlefront that has no strategic advantage that is open purely just to sort of bleed and exhaust the opposition mm-hmm. um and it i sort of feel like this is it? what this is yeah absolutely it's you know it's the verdun of you know trans studies yeah. um sometimes you do it just because you want to hit some turks with a walking stick and that's fair <laughs> enough <laughs> so what i uh the way i i sort of tend to understand this right you can tell me what you think if this is a good analogy is that I, th- I think you have to not see this as a debate, but instead as a kind of social DDoS attack. Yes. Right? Yes. I think that's Where, exactly right. So, to explain, so just to explain to sort of people who might not know what a DDoS attack is, um, it's if you have basically a server um, can take a certain number of queries at a given time, and then it can, it can take a certain density of queries at a time in a, in a stack without basically falling over. Um, and a DDoS attack is when a bunch of other uh, endpoints somewhere on the internet will flood a bunch of queries onto the same server at once uh, with the intent of overloading the server and knocking it over. So it's a a way of understanding communication as inherently aggressive. 
right? It is aggressive communication that is designed to overwhelm and bore and gum up the works and so on and so on. But it just looks like it is a Times column of, you know, yeah, Turf- Turfina plantation spoils being just like, I'm just asking questions, right? Does that does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. It's it, it, each individual part of this, whether it's Rosie Duffield, uh, like, talking about how, uh, like, only women can get cervical cancer, or like whether it is, uh, you know, one of these editorials, or each individual piece of it is junk data, right? Like, okay, maybe it makes you feel bad. Maybe uh, if it, I suspect both Juliet and I are kind of inured to this stuff to the point where we're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but like, uh, taken as a whole, the point is to like exhaust you and to like overwhelm your your capacity to to respond to it in any real way, yeah, or just- even just to exist in public life it was a specific response to us breaking into the media sort of 10 years ago as well um mm. you know that the the tone of these pieces by you know um Turfina plantation spoils who you just brought up who you know is a very prolific uh, telegraph journalist <laughs> i believe um, <laughs> she gets everywhere yeah, i mean you know some words in slate her and the money coots but yeah um Mm, you know, the, the tone of these articles isn't that different to what, like, The Guardian were publishing 15 years ago. Um, you know, the only real difference is, like, sometimes they sort of skirt around the most kind of aggressively and overtly transphobic language. And as you say, kind of frame it as, well, I'm just asking this question. And, yeah, taken individually, they don't seem massively um, unreasonable. But, yeah, the, the sheer scale of them is designed to deal with the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, people like myself, or Paris Lee, C.N. Lester, um, over here, certain other writers were breaking into sort of mainstream media in, in broadcast and, and print. Um, and it was, yeah, exactly as, as Alice said, it was, it was designed to just kind of drown us out and just make us give up. Um, and it's pretty much worked, you know, like pretty much every um, trans and non-binary writer I know is not really wanting to contribute to any uh, mainstream publications, um, especially not the sort of quote-unquote liberal ones. Um, so it's been pretty successful in this country, really. Um, but that can change. For yeah. me, that kind of highlights to an extent what a sort of like weird internecine kind of conflict it is for like these like turfs because it's like kind of it's not it's not actually really a political football in the sense that it only matters to like them and their media acolytes like most of the people are way too concerned with like far right insane shit to have any interest in like like, turf shit at all turfs are way too left wing for them they did some polling and of like uh, cis women generally and lesbians cis lesbians particularly uh, something like 70-80% simply do not give a shit. And why would they? Because they're normal, right? Well, they're normal seen, people. Have you seen what happens when, like, turf columnists try and have, like, physical, real-life um, demonstrations? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. And like, six Five people. Turn up. <laughs> and, like, one of them will inevitably be wearing, like, 19th century garb uh, for, like, some kind of a suffragette vibe. It's very strange. They like, oh, no. they, like genuine, genuinely right. I highly recommend watching videos of like turfs in person, right? Because it's so alienating, and it's so it it's, it reminds you so effectively that like what may seem like this overwhelming majority of like uh, media and in Scotland politicians and just uh, like people on Twitter is actually like 
a handful of cranks, right? It's just a tremendously successful uh, and influential band of cranks because a lot of them have those advantages of, oh, I get to just say whatever I want in The Guardian or in the Scottish Parliament uh, just mm. whenever I want. And what, what I feel They're like is They're just the this. bath party of columnists. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, and that's the direction the, the essay... bathroom party. <laughs> 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 I mean, Thank you. that is basically the direction the SNP have tended in. Like, the reason why, uh, like, trans stuff has been on the agenda in Scotland, particularly, and why it's been like rolled back so quickly, was because the right wing of the party needed uh, some kind of a wedge social issue to create to take everybody's minds off the fact that Alex Salmon, the former first minister, who they were all like variously uh, like in webs of, of patronage with, was going on trial for a series of sexual assaults. And they were like quite untroubled by this, but and were entirely content to like call every trans woman that they saw a rapist. So if Alex it, Salmon wanted to like do these things, why didn't he just transition? Because I yeah, that, that makes it so yeah. easy. <laughs> it would make it really easy for him, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, look, it, with with that in mind, um, and wanting to like do a little a little bit different, like we're going to ignore the name of the podcast for uh, ten minutes or so, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to I'm going to turn. We won't mention the word Romaniacs for the next <laughs> fifteen or so minutes. I, I'm going to uh, reach under the, my bit of the desk and I'm going to flip the switch from trash future to good future. Um, mm. Julia, you talked about trying to looking at a way to make. To to talk about the the British uh British transgender experience people bodies spaces etc in a way that is doesn't just focus on damn it seems like there is a very successful group of people a very successful and well connected group of people that hates us and is good at getting that message out what what do you, what does that more positive vision look like you don't have to get into specifics if it's still coming together but how do you sort of go about conceiving of it and um, and, and, and creating it and, and thinking. Well, I mean, in my case, it's using art and culture and, and literature. Um, and it's, you know, kind of creating positive things, um, things created by trans people, uh, not necessarily exclusively for trans people, but, you know, with trans people very much in mind. Um, because, you know, I think that has a lot more kind of heart and honesty and dignity and kindness than the sort of, you know, I mean, one of the things about the sort of turf columnists is like it's all completely one note in both form and content. You know, it just uses um, op-eds, which is the worst form. Um, and the content is always basically the same. That's our bread and butter. Yeah, well, exactly. It's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> um, imagine what it'd be like if we could just ignore them. But um yeah, it, it, it seems to me that, you know, there's a sort of rich, um, rich kind of world of like art and culture and memoir writing and um, but also, you know, new media that we can use. I mean, it is very striking that, you know, there are, you know, amongst the sort of new long, younger left, there is far less tolerance for transphobia, um, you know, sort of new media outlets, whether it's like podcasts or, um, or print, um, do seem sort of overwhelmingly. Uh, not in favour of this type of politics and quite determined to exclude it as much as possible. I mean, it's not always possible, but 
as much as possible. And, you know, I, while I am very pessimistic about the state of politics in general, I don't know if you remember that election we had last year, but I haven't really recovered from no. it. Um, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's never speak of it again. But, um, you know, obviously, yeah. uh, off the back of that, I don't feel particularly good about anything. But um, I don't know, like younger people on this particular topic give me reasonable grounds for optimism, um, which is why these sort of middle aged turf journos are um, clamping down so hard. So if I could if I could just sort of um, try to go a little deeper on something, right, you say that the in general, that this sort of demographic cleave between the sort of middle age, middle aged um, around that happens around middle age where people seem to get less and less. Uh, welcoming and, and accepting of trans people, and as you get look younger and younger, you see more and more welcoming and accepting of trans and, and welcome and acceptance of trans people. Can you tell me how that is different from just uh, oh, the kids will save us? Because I th- I think it is. I just I want to understand how. Yeah, I mean, it's generational. Like it's not it's not inherent to do with youth and middle age so much. I don't think as it is just to do with um, the specifics of of the history of LGBT activism and its different um, factions. Hmm. You know, if you go back yeah, like to the feminist waves. Yeah. So if you go back to the 1950s, you get like the media coverage of Christine Jorgensen, who, um, you know, 1952. Oh yeah. The, when it was the... like, like hasn't science done something amazing? I think this, the headline was like XGI now blonde bombshell. That's exactly like, it. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine, uh, I, I've said this before, but I'm trying to imagine, uh, the guardian running a front page headline with local trans woman fucking stacked. And it, it just, <laughs> like, just, well, the thing is, like the they already, they already sort of, of did with Caroline. Well, that was the original title of my Guardian series, and um, the legal <laughs> team made us change it. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, it yeah. didn't get through the sub editors, sadly. But um, yeah, so I mean, what you get with Jorgensen is, is yeah, as Alice says, this sort of sense of like the scientific miracle. It's like the kind of nuclear age. It's like wow, we can like blow the shit out of a city and like turn men into women. Whatever yeah. next. You can become a broad. <laughs> See, we can the one finally is, fix the ratio. Um, the one is in the manufacturing age. And, they took this GI around the back of the Ford plant, came out a bombshell. So, um, so what happens during the 1960s really is you get like transsexual people, and particularly like transsexual women, like moving from being this sort of isolated kind of individual phenomenon through to being this identifiable kind of category and community. And that happens at the same time as you get the second wave feminist movement in the US in particular, also the UK, um, which, uh, you know, famously focuses quite a lot of energy on setting up women-only spaces. And so, of course, the um, coincidental um, prevalence of transsexuality in particular, like, poses questions to that. Um, and you can understand why they had that conversation, but of course, as is often the case in these sorts of conversations, like the loudest and nastiest voices, uh, yeah. and it, it, it also became deeply stupid. Like one of the first uh, big fights about this involved uh, a a women's only lesbian record label called Olivia Records, uh, who employed a trans woman uh, like sound engineer, right? And so, like genuinely, this sort of intellectual predecessors of TERFs um, decided that like she was creating inherently male beats. Um, <laughs> like, so look, I mean, behind, behind most kinds of prejudice is just a set of calipers, right? We're mm. like, we measure the length of your femur and we're like, oh, sorry, 
Male beats. Yeah. So Ma- male beats. What are you talking about? Look at the rack on this bra. <laughs> bring bring back the fifties objectification of trans women, please. I I would much prefer yeah, yeah, yeah. to be like, damn, the atomic age. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, um, what what happens next is sort of in the sort of seventies, eighties into the early nineties. That becomes the kind of orthodoxy in a lot of feminist circles. Um, you know, it's not necessarily subscribed to and believed by everybody, but, you know, um, this sort of trans-exclusionary feminism uh, takes root. And then at the end of the 80s, the sound engineer who Alice just mentioned, um, who's a really brilliant uh, artist and writer called Sandy Stone, uh, she writes this phenomenal essay called The Empire Strikes Back, a post-transsexual manifesto. Um, and she talks about how... Um, Basically, like the gender identity clinics program trans people to disappear. You know, they tell you you need to pass. You can't tell anyone about your history. You should move away from family and friends and support networks and move somewhere where no one will know your trans sexual history, all of that. Um, and Stone says, look, it's quite hard to combat transphobia if you're programmed to disappear. So trans people should really write about their bodies and their experiences. And this prompts in the 90s, this whole wave and due to Butler writing at the same sort of time, and she's obviously important too, but, you know, between Butler and Stone, they sort of prompt this whole wave of um, of trans and non-binary, like writers and theorists and, uh, you know, later kind of artists and people, um, and really encourage, like, trans people to think of their own genders as these kind of these genres that they're sort of constantly creating. And, um, you know, this feeds into, like, third-wave feminism as well. So you just get this sort of generational split really and then you know in the sort of into the 21st century you get like a generation of younger feminists who have been raised more on this kind of writing mm. um so, it, so in in this sense the the positive the positive conceptualization of this is is as a kind of creative force rather than uh, a sort of struggling for shared space it's about creating a new thing um I mean, I think it's both. Um, you know, I mean, we've we've learned to our cost, I think, politically that like you can't ignore um, mainstream spaces that do you damage, um, and you shouldn't. Um, and you know, my project has always been not to. Uh, but you know, I think you can you can create uh, new spaces that supplant the old as as well. And you know, that happened in a lot of feminist circles, I think, in the in the two thousands and into the twenty tens. Yeah, it's partly why some of the like worst reservoirs of transphobia are like sort of holdovers like Mumsnet, right? Which kind of like it had its day as like a, a place for, you know, mums to talk about mum stuff. And then it kind of on the net. Yeah. Mm. And then it kind of yeah. went over that Mums hill. who are fishermen. And then it was it kind of became like this community in search of something. And yeah. you know, it that that's a tremendously vulnerable position to be in because it's very easy. To uh, to just take one of those spaces over if you're an extremist, and so that's that's what happened. But it's also interesting that the sort of main purveyors of this type of like trans exclusionary um, feminism, uh, it moved from like radical lesbian separatists, which is sort of where it came out of in the sort of seventies and eighties, um, and has moved into like heterosexual. Parenting. Oh yeah, has- R- R- Rosie Duffield, uh, a radical les- political lesbian. No, not really. No, it just it. A lot of this it, it became very like the kind of respectable kind of feminism. And if you wanted a critique of the second wave, then you could say the extent to which it was absorbed so readily into power. 
the fact that you could have all of these MPs who will like get on the wine of an evening, quote tweet someone who isn't talking about them, and then try to make it illegal to at them. That's like uh, that being the sort of uh, material uh, consequence of your your wave of feminism. You you could say if you wanted to be unkind, and I do that. That kind of demonstrates <laughs> the futility of the whole project. That's that's actually right though. It should be illegal to at me. Please bring that <laughs> yeah. in. I'm up for that actually. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Mm. Well, it's. I mean, that I think that also just speaks to the fact that like anyone who's still posting on forums in mm-hmm. sort of in 2020 is as is is doing something is vulnerable to uh, extremism. Essentially, anyone posting <sighs> on a forum are going to be furious about that take. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I think it is. For, I think because I mean that's it's a, it's a little bit of a silly idea, but also it's like if you're if you're p- still posting on a forum, it means you you have resisted moving on. You have resisted the sort of change of the internet. You are you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I a little bit like you know psycho. You think so? Yeah. yeah, that's a little psychoanalysis of Web two point or whatever. No, I, th- I think it's. But, uh, like, I think there's a a great deal of this. Like I think that that's part of the reason why the 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 sort of the turf generation skews older is. As Julia says, not like this inherent thing about age, but like it's sort of an unwillingness to to move with these spaces, and so you just end up yeah. in this sort of uh, you end up on this uh, on this island of Mumsnet, where like you know you, you, your children might have grown by now, um, and and you're yeah. so all you have left really uh, like because you don't want to find anything new is posting, and so you you post and you post and you post, and then you know. Yeah, because there's actually there's no such thing as like a Gen X posting style, really. Like at some point in your like late thirties, you have to make a choice between posting or being a Facebook boomer. Like you can only yeah, be like one true. of the two. It's a really transitional and so all generation. All Gen X are is a pa- yeah, they're just a pale imitation of Facebook boomers. Well, here's the thing i I feel I feel like this. I feel like I, I really I really enjoyed um uh, talking about this. I feel the silliness bubbling back up in me. So I want to throw back to, to Julia and say, mode. look. Is there is there is there anything is there anything else you you'd like to say sort of on this issue before we go into um some more barred out guardian articles? No, I can't take any more of it. Um, Hell yeah, let's let let's have some fun, shall we? We gave bathroom sicko mode. <laughs> I I slipped an estradiol into Riley's coffee before this episode, and <laughs> it's beginning to take hold. I was why he was crying so much. Yeah, I'm cold. <laughs> why am I cold? <laughs> Okay, that's. Oh I'm, no, he's lost a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> you slipped it into my coffee, but you forgot to have me drink the coffee first. So you yeah. slipped it right through my stomach. I, I forgot to tourniquet, out. Riley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we look, Juliet. Last time you came on the show, I think you nearly killed all of us with laughter because you sh- you, you 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 made us read, and I, I thank you for it every day. The Raphael Bear Shoes article. It nearly broke me, that article. Oh, I was boy. just finishing my PhD yeah. and I just became obsessed with it. And I think I talked about it every day for about a month. Um, I read it to um, a few friends once and just sort of nearly broke down in tears at how sort of just stupid it was and the fact that this man still has a very well-remunerated media career. Um, you could write a PhD on I that article. I think I should, and I hope yeah. Um, that might be the post- yeah. postdoctoral uh, research. Um because so, it's like the monolith uh, in 2001. You're just like, you know, who commissioned you're it? You're never the what same after you comprehend it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so mm. here's the thing. If you haven't listened to uh, the first episode we did with Juliet, it was, I we'll think... We'll put it in the description. 
Yeah, we'll put it in the description. Listen to at least the last segment of that episode. For the talk best about. column that we've done as a reading series. And yeah, that's fucking right. So instead of going for a lesser Raphael Bear column, um, I, I've looked and there, there are some ones that are pretty funny, but nothing even close to shoes. <laughs> I've decided that we're going to go a little bit of a different direction. The one about not being able to get your dick out at Alton Towers is quite funny. <laughs> the one, okay, the yeah, one there are two really good the ones. people taking the piss out of Max Gogarty to like the Maoist Cultural Revolution is pretty special. That was the first time I heard of him, I think, and then I went through the back catalogue. But um... uh, but we're we're instead we are going to explore a different kind of Guardian weirdo. Ooh, okay. Um, we are going to read a few articles by um, a few. Uh, I believe uh, three because they're very short, like two hundred right, words. Okay. Um, uh, by by Adrian Childs. Oh, fuck yeah, his articles are so weird. <laughs> you haven't watched <laughs> nearly yeah, invented the restaurant moment. You'd never watched nearly as much of Match of the Day two as I have. Clearly, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, my, my when I was seventeen, my driving instructor looked like Adrian Childs. Everyone, there's the always a guy who looks a bit like Adrian Childs. No, no, but he was the spit. Like, like you couldn't tell them apart. <laughs> So also the other thing to remember when you think about the sort of competence of this art of these articles is that Adrian Childs is in a relationship with Kath Viner, who is like the overall executive of uh, the Guardian Media Group. Mm -hmm. There was a brief time when Adrian Childs was knocking off uh, the really hot woman from daytime TV and no one could believe it. Mm -hmm. um, oh, who was that? The Northern Irish one. Alice, you'll know who this oh, is. No. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um... Yeah, there were people getting furious about it as like a great sexual injustice that Adrian Charles was being allowed well, to have sex with. Clearly, Adrian Charles lays amazing pipe, is the thing. Yeah, that's yeah. all we can conclude. So here's the other thing, right? Um, just remember that Kath Viner, if you want to understand The Guardian, all you have to do is understand Adrian Childs. I, I think Adrian Ch I don't I'm not saying Adrian Childs slept his way to the top, but just <laughs> keep in mind keep in mind <laughs> misogyny against Adrian Childs is Adrian Childs had to suck suck a few dicks over at the Guardian. Well, no, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that keep in mind that he is in a in a relationship with someone who is able to commission and that the reason that we have so we <laughs> have had to eat a few pussies over <laughs> at the Guardian. And the reason that that Kath Viner is is in this position, she came out of the um Life, the sort of lifestyle writing world is that um, Alan Rusbridger was forced out of the Guardian essentially by MI5 because he was too willing to report on um, the indiscretions of the national security state. So essentially, <laughs> Adrian Childs, I contend, is the result of uh, a GCHQ interference in uh, the Guardian's business. Uh, with with the, the Snowden leaks. Just imagining Adrian Childs in the Guardian editor's office and they're chewing like a big cigar and Adrian Childs is being forced to wear like a little negligee and dance <laughs> so, around and so, go like, please, can I have a column? You're so into <laughs> casting couch Childs, huh? <laughs> Without any further ado, uh, let's read one of Adrian Childs' recent articles. What is an app? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a startup. <laughs> Damn, okay, let's go. I'm tr I'm trying to get my dad to use his iPhone. Being hard of hearing, and I'm going the same way on that front, it would be much easier to communicate if he could text better. A problem he and my mom have is that their screens don't seem to respond to their fingers properly. 
I've blamed the way people stab so desperately at their phones, but I read somewhere that it's because older people have drier skin in their hands, which makes them less touchscreen capable. GCHQ drilled into the Guardian's hard drives, and now all they're allowed to publish is this. Yeah, right. finger just, dryness. Just the kind of, um, just the idle, idle musings of a this guy. This is the kind of thing that would be on. This moron. is the kind of thing that is on Belarus state TV as you like <laughs> pan to the window and see the riots outside. Yeah, the view Welcome window just closes state. it down. Today we are talking about using using phone with dry fingers. <laughs> Either way, can I, you milk cow with old hands? Yeah, that's right. Lukashenko. Either way, he, he my said, dad's by particular... The way, he said that Europe wants to turn Belarus into a toilet, which is an extremely funny turn of <laughs> phrase. That's fucking hell, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you fucking toilet. <laughs> Dave Courtney is sent to Belarus to be the new president. Either way, either way, my dad's particular issue is conceptual. Time and again, he asked me the same question. What's an app? And I tell him, it's an app. <laughs> cool. That is conceptual. <laughs> it's not so quite an app. I mean, what app stands for? Conceptual in the sort of Samuel He's a Samuel Beckett character who doesn't realize he's in a play. Um, mm. This isn't much help, but I later eventually find some form of words that has him nodding and we move on. Then, a month or so later, the same question again, delivered with even more brow furrowing angst. Adrian, please explain what is an app. <laughs> Why is he making his dad sound like a sort of Ukrainian mail order bride? <laughs> Adrian, please, what is app? <laughs> I, at work, they keep saying this app. I, we do not have this in Kharkiv. I tried Google, but Google certainly doesn't help with this, serving up a definition that, for my dad, prompts as many questions as it answers. And mm. then he just shares, like, four lines of the definition of an app from Google. And then says, I haven't even shared this explanation with him. There's no point. I've tried everything. I've sought to work up a decent analogy, but without success. Getting him to think of the record player as a kind of app to play his records didn't work. No, it's not. That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's what why, a record player that's is. That's why it didn't help. <laughs> because you don't understand what an app is yourself, Adrian. Thanks for that app. It's like, it's like your penis, Dad. <laughs> and neither did one about his car and its engine, which ended up confusing me more than him. <laughs> and then the article's over. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. I didn't take That's anything it. out That's of it. That's all you get. Always leave him wanting more. <laughs> I just imagine like it's like a version of the notebook where like every time Adrian Charles goes to see his dad, by the end through this like incredibly long and circuitous like form of like explanation over the course of several hours, he gets him to understand what an app is. And then there's like 10 minutes where his dad gloriously understands an app and then he just forgets again. Yeah. But, like what? what? Why? Why is this an article? <laughs> I, I don't for the know. Same, like, oh boy! For I, the same reason oh, sorry, that the shoes thing is an article, there was a deadline that he hadn't filled. Like, yeah, but here's the thing, right? All of Adrian Child's stuff is like <laughs> this. All of it, like hmm. Raphael Bear's stuff. Like, it's it's not good writing, but like after 2010, he kind of begins to realize kind of why he's writing op eds and has sort of like a thing he's trying to say, hmm. but. All of Adrian Child's op-eds are like this. And Raphael Bear's articles at least make the word count. Like, this is like... <laughs> yeah. This is not even a, This is just like a half... Yeah. This is like this is like a long text message. <laughs> That's what this is. Yeah. It's a, also, but it's... But what I love about Adrian's articles is that he's just sort of a perfect zen idiot who is, mm. has a completely empty mind who is just sort of walking around with his mouth open. 
This is perfect. We need more people like this. Yeah. Like, ultimately, people like Adrian Childs are the backbone of this fucking yeah. country. And only when we return to the, like, benign idiot will we be able to solve some of these yeah, problems. It's, it's bounced by the ounce and Adrian Childs. Exactly. Poor um, man bounced by the ounce. Are we ounce. ready for another one? Yes. My day of two halves from Bristol City to Balliol College. It's not match uh, of the day two again, hell. is it? <laughs> I had a Bailey old one, Bristol City two. <laughs> I had a funny old day on Saturday. It began with a melee at a football ground in Bristol and ended with a dinner at Balliol College, does, Oxford. Does he understand what a melee is? Yeah, I took. It was a, a fight. I took out. Oh, okay. This one I had to actually edit a, a little bit down. Not much though. Mm. Um, I was so he, there's like a fight in the football grounds, and he's like, "Oh, I'm feeling stressed." He says, in the blink of an eye, feeling no less stressed, I was walking into Balliol College. I wasn't in my comfort zone, having never applied for Oxbridge, not least because none of my teachers suggested I should. I wonder why. <laughs> well, all- How could it be that the, the intellectual driving force of Britain, Adrian Childs, was never recommended well, no. for I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't like to sort of toot the Oxbridge horn as, as, as being a particularly good or worthwhile place. Like, a lot of people who are sort of perfect Zen morons end up at Oxbridge and then just sort of... Yeah, because they're posh, right? But, like, Adrian yeah. Charles is not posh, nor is he an intellectual. Ergo. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, it's, it's not like it's like, ah, you are good enough for Oxbridge. It's just Oxbridge sucks and Adrian Charles is, like, You're cool. overcomplicating this. The joke is no one would ever suggest Adrian Charles apply to Oxford because <laughs> he doesn't meet any of the criteria. When I, well, hey, now we have an algorithm. Uh, when I meet an, well, we don't anymore. Uh, when I meet an Oxbridge graduate, I have one of two reactions. If they got there from private school, I am scornful. If they got there from state school, I feel great admiration. Kind of a gra- good. Yeah. agree with you Comrades. there. Comrades. Yeah. yeah. No, we, no. Adrian Childs is not, when I say, look, he is a Zen idiot. He's not stupid. He is someone who is just able to take everything in the world at face value and just sort of idly and idly wonder about it. I really like him. I he's, think he is a fun person to he's read. He's an idiot in the Dostoevsky sense, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, um, he allows us to see the world more clearly through his like lack of artifice. Yes, that's that's precisely it. Uh, but apart from that, there is really a lot to be. Oh, there is really Frank a lot Skinner, to be an underground with. man. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but but apart from that, there is really a lot to be annoyed with about these people if you don't happen to be one of them. There is this way they slip with the words Oxford or Cambridge into conversations within minutes of first Tell meeting. Tell me about it. Also, they speak of what they Again, this is why I put this article in. It's because, like, yeah, he doesn't know what an app is, but he also really fundamentally understands the sort of pernicious nature of education in this country. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a turn. Oh. Um. And here I was shuffling around un- with un- uncertainty amid the begowned throng, the master of Balliol. Begowned That's a really throng. unpleasant combination of words. <laughs> oh, who's that? And, uh, at which point he displayed his begowned throng. <laughs> the master of Balliol, Dame Helen Gosh, was pointing. Was pointed That's a hell out of a name. Before I knew it, she was striding in my direction, smiling at someone I assume was standing behind me. But no, it was me she was after. And that's when her eyes fell upon my account throne. (laughs) (laughs) She shook my hand vigorously, and to my astonishment Mm. said, Great result today. Three nothing. You've got 66 point now. You'll be certainties for promotion. Huh? Ye gods. I knew you had to be clever in these parts, but this was something special. Knowing a football score. Holy shit. This man is Prince Mishkin, right? Like, he is just a, a beautiful open-hearted, guileless moron. 
<laughs> Call me shallow, but a lifetime cynicism about the dreaming spires now flowed out of me. The wine was marvelous, and these people deserve every glass of it. And soon I was not only warm towards Oxford. <laughs> I had developed- Let them have their wine. <laughs> they know Bristol City. I have now developed a fierce loyalty to this particular college. Awesome. At which point I began uh, singing the back catalogue of the Wurzels. <laughs> I was told about Bailey Hall's fierce rival with Trinity. Pa, Trinity, they're not fit to lace our boots at Bailey Hall. Oh, did you, uh, Trinity, For God. No- they're, like, they're like the Mansfield town of Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, ironically, is not Mansfield. No. Yeah. Um, so. no Mansfield, Mansfield town of the, uh, the mill wall of Oxford. Sorry, no, Mansfield College. Yes. Is it, uh, just p- yeah. complete your own joke. <laughs> yes, fine. <laughs> Look up a list of the colleges and, you know, in certain list of, like, League Two football rivals, team. By the way, I could have told you that earlier and we could have yeah. done the joke. We can go back if you want. Um, yeah. Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, All Souls 3. <laughs> uh, Trinity, they're not fit to lace our boots at Balliol. At the end of the night, I took my place card home. On it was a wine stain, my name, and the college crest. And that makes me a Balliol man. So I love that. <laughs> he, starts, he starts the article with a, like... I hate Oxbridge. I hate everyone who goes there. A lot of them Simple are ass. complete cunts. Um, and it's like, yeah, correct. You're, you have a very good, uh, yeah, you have a very good he's criticism an incredibly of the University of Oxford. He's incredibly impressed man. And so he falls victim to the thing that acad- like academics know how to do, which is the the one put you at your ease fact. And then he's just is like, yeah, no, I, I, I am a slave for you. <laughs> somebody, somebody has noticed and remembered the result of the West Bromwich Albion match. And uh, basically, I've got a degree now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it's it's just like he's he's just he's like ah, I've been so put at ease. I will die for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went to Marie Antoinette's house, and she I was skeptical at first, but she actually had a very nice selection of cakes, and uh, <laughs> she because was down to earth and very funny. Project went wrong because we could have easily got these people on board. Um, you know, we'd have had like one so, ally like, in the media. It would have been good. Yeah, well, we yeah. just have to sort of occasionally at Adrian Childs with the West Brom yeah, score. Corbin yeah. had just rung people up and said, oh, what do you think about uh, Megan winning Love Island or whatever? Yeah. Just um, giving them a little work. place card. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's the other thing, right? Like, again, Adrian Childs, like, not a, not a stupid person. Like, he writes he writes columns about how, like, he writes columns about how, like, seeing the mega yachts and watching Made in Chelsea is like, this is clearly the symptoms of a of an unwell society that requires oh, like structural. Then he change. goes to dinner on the mega yacht and they give him a little place label. <laughs> the head- and he's the like, headline- you know what? <laughs> the headline. <laughs> Fucking, um, the headline- Roman Abramovich is an all right guy. The headline that he wrote for watching uh, Made in Chelsea with his daughter was that it made him a communist. And the Guardian <laughs> changed that headline to "What I learned from watching Made in Chelsea." Aww. The Guardian are si- not even being in a relationship with Kath Viner. They are suppressing you write your own headline. comrade, Adrian Childs. Yeah. Damn. It's, just, he is, he is, it's wonderful. It's just he's someone you need to just... He, he, I like this. He's, he's, he's just such an open book. Yeah. And his heart is in the right place, so he sees the yeah. super yacht, and he's like, well, that doesn't seem very fair. Yeah, but then if the guy who owns the super yacht just like... Gave him like a nice card, or shook his ha- or made eye contact when he shook his hand. He'd be like, "I was wrong about the super yacht." And what about the, the kid goes? He walks onto this like oligarch's yacht, uh, which is like covered in blood for some reason. And the guy is like, uh, "What about the acceleration on the new Ford Mondeo?" And Adrian Charles <laughs> is like, "I've misjudged you." <laughs> uh, so here's the last one. 
I took drugs recently and colors danced on the insides of my eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, one of the things I've heard about music festivals is that a lot of drugs are taken. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've heard about these festivals. Uh, that's something else I'm useless at. My drug-taking career began at a community center disco when I was 15. I had drunk a load of homebrew beforehand, and then someone gave me some pot. Some pot. I felt quite unwell. To address this, <laughs> I decided to go and have a headbang to Deep Purple. <laughs> There's so much going on here. Scenes as ghastly as they were predictable ensued. The mere smell of pot still makes me you gag, know- as my fellow headbangers and I were retching on that this awful guy, night. This guy, Adrian Charles, mm. you know what he's like? He's like Homer Simpson, but like early season Homer Simpson, where he has that like gentleness and caring about him. Uh, instead of mm-hmm. just being stupid. Like, I fully believe that Adrian Childs still thinks that the coolest thing in the world is like a leather jacket with fringes on it. And he's right. <laughs> he's mm. right. Uh, it's like it's like the world has not come back round to being ready for Adrian Childs. Oh. He's a, he's kind of he's kind of like a, a more benign Alan Partridge figure, right? Yeah. No, like Alan kind of, Partridge I've, I've, is. I've done I've done drugs. I I ate some pot once. I felt felt sick to be honest with you. <laughs> well, because Alan Partridge, the thing is, Alan Partridge is saying what he's saying to try to manipulate you or lie to you or hurt your feelings or whatever. He's a, a mean man. Adrian Childs is just trying to tell you a fun story about when he was fifteen and tried pot for the first time. Like he's he, there is no there's no meanness in Adrian Childs. No, but there's also that element of Partridge where he is trying to he is trying to connect with his interlocutor by telling this story, but it just always goes wrong. Like that's kind of oh, oh, drugs, yeah, I've taken drugs, sure. I had a, I had a, I had a sweetener and a, and a block of pot once at an underage disco. Yeah, it's yeah. completely sick. Um, yours Partridge is so good. Oh, I've watched it so much. <laughs> um, fast forward almost forty years to March this year, and we get to my second and emphatically last ever encounter with cannabis. I was in a hotel bar in Manchester, having fallen into a conversation with a famous actor. Chris Rea was there. <laughs> after <laughs> after like, a yeah, while. This is the difference. You know he doesn't mean that to impress you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, after a while, she said to me, come out for some spliff. <laughs> no, she didn't. She didn't say that, Adrian. You've misremembered. <laughs> um, next thing, I'm sitting outside, pulling on a joint the size of a fence post. What? I felt a bit funny at first, and then decidedly peculiar. <laughs> Adrian Charles has never seen a fence post before, or he's met the only person who smokes weed out of a didgeridoo. <laughs> or also, I just love this. It's like it's like Adrian Charles posting to Arrowhead, like uh, "How to Oregano want my salad?" Is that something? Yeah. We- oh, you know, you know when you're smoking weed and it goes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we genuinely have to protect this man, right? Because his instincts are towards. All that is good and fair in this world, and then he is just relentlessly taken advantage of by some actor who is like, who looks at Adrian Childs and is like, "I'm gonna get this guy ripped to the fucking." Not a not a very understanding driving instructor, though. Definitely a bit, you know, could be a bit tetchy. As well as losing, she soon went inside, possibly because I'd stopped speaking. As well as losing the power of speech, <laughs> it turned out that my motor functions had all been deserted me, and I was overwhelmed with nausea. Having done like two pounds. <laughs> Again, someone who could smoke oregano and just through sheer belief yeah. that it's weed gets super fucked up. Come on, Adrian, have a honk on this wacky bitch. <laughs> 
Eventually, I managed to stand up and execute a kind of grandfatherly shuffle back into the hotel lobby and make my way past pitying eyes to the lift in my room. I felt mm. utterly awful. I contemplated a quick, he- quick headbang to expunge it from my system, but thought better of it. I lay on the floor, which seemed to be moving pretty fast, and shut my eyes. A very vivid array of colors danced on the inside of my eyelids. I, slept- I saw Jet from Gladiators. <laughs> I ordered four full English breakfasts. <laughs> I, I slept the best sleep I have slept in ages that night, but I'm still not touching the stuff again, and that's the end. Aww. I ordered a Steven Seagal <laughs> film from the pay-per-view. So I, I don't even like Steven Seagal. It's dangerous stuff. You got a bit wild, you know. I yeah. Uh, my favorite, my favorite Adrian Charles column is the one where he confronts the imminence of death. Okay, do you, do, Julia, do you have time mm. to do one more? Yeah. Always. Um, okay. Uh, that's uh, a that's a on. very big spliff uh, for you. <laughs> uh, Alice, what's it? Can you can uh, you DM me the article? I'll find it. I'll read it for us. Um, uh, let's. Okay. Well, this is this is very unusual, but okay. Yeah, I, I I'm taking over the show here for you. Um, ah, this is what we. I I, the, I knew this. I, what, this I, is what I, would I'm happen also, if we let trans people into the, sh- the bathroom of the while show. While I'm scrolling up, I'm seeing other titles like. Carl Lagerfeld sent me 50 roses. I don't think he'd ever met a large brummy. That's right. Pro- probably he hadn't. No, Carl Lagerfeld exclusively hangs out with small brummies. Yeah, the, 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 headline, the headline is beautiful. At Easter, I had a fall. The wild garlic smelled lovely, but I didn't want to die there. <laughs> Adrian Childs! It, mm. It's well known that once you right. pass a certain age, falling over requires a noun rather than a verb. And on Easter Sunday, I had a fall. Ooh. Okay. All right, let's go. But then he was resurrected. (laughs) I was staying on the southern tip of the Gower Peninsula in South Wales and resolved to walk 17 miles to St. David's Priory Church in Swansea. For added difficulty, I would not take the obvious coastal route, but proceed along Keffen Bryn, the ancient ridge in the middle of the peninsula. I know this. This is this is an article written by Grandpa Simpson. <laughs> it started off very well. All things were bright and beautiful. High up on the drover's track above Kevin Brin, it felt like God's green earth was a very special place indeed. It felt good to be alive. And then he has like a digression, which again reminds me very much of his like his his heart. Right down into a valley I went, and then up a hill near a village called Kittle. I skirted around a big new humming factory unit, sitting in probably amid the pastures. There were high fences around it and CCTV. I saw the word poultry on some signs. I'm no- Wait, hang on a second. This is Adrian Child's ex-fed smoker. He's going to go up to the fence. (laughs) I'm no great animal rights warrior, but I had a little shudder anyway. A mite spooked, I headed into an ancient wood. Following an overgrown path that it looked as if no one had trodden on this millennium, I came to a rotten old stile. Entirely predictably, it gave way beneath me. I felt an astonishing pain in my back, and then nothing. After a matter of seconds, I think, I came round, flat on my back, lying in a mass of wild garlic. Hmm. Yes! Reminded me of having sex with my first wife. (laughs) Yes, I'd had a fall, and in doing so, seemed to have nearly skewered myself on a fence post. The pain was horrendous. The size of a joint. (laughs) (laughs) The pain was horrendous. The wild garlic smelled lovely, though. (laughs) Well, no, that's, I mean, this this is someone who is able to approach life with an open and empty mind. This is someone who is a perfect, a perfect zen subject. 
Yeah, he's kind of like the only truly reliable narrator because he just includes all of the information in an unbiased way. Yes. Like, had a fall, almost died, not so good, in the plus column, wild garlic smelled lovely. <laughs> so, you know, really 50-50 on this style. Yeah, it was another 15,000 steps to the church. As I walked down a hill and mumbles, a couple of lads in a car drinking lager and smoking weed shouted my name. They wished they hadn't. I had no idea what my back looked like. <laughs> Fuck me, they said I'd get that looked at, and with that they sped off. <laughs> just uh, imagine, but imagine being in Adrian Childs's mind—just someone who's just, just sort of experiencing all of this from a sort of three meters detachment. <laughs> it, it feels arriving like. at mass, bloodied. It's not, it's not funny, Lynn. I've got a back that horrifies children. <laughs> <laughs> bloodied, muddied, and pained, I stooped to genuflect and yelped in pain. A few concerned glances shot my way. I found a quiet corner, just about managed to stand, kneel, and sit at the right times, and then I got a taxi home. You look terrible, the driver said. Happy Easter, I replied. That is the end of the article. Adrian Charles has the mind of a dog. <laughs> there was no... He was not making a single point in that article, he, which is he, kind of what I love about it. He had a fall and it was bad, but like the wild garlic smelled nice and he scared some kids. It's like a six-year-old report of what they did at their weekend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's made no attempt to draw any conclusions from it of any kind. He's not used it to speak to a wider truth. It is just pure, this is a thing well, no, that happened. It's not he's, because he's not speaking to a wider truth. It is the wider truth because that's how most people experience their actual lives. Yeah, look, sort looking, of looking walking at, around, looking around. It's an unknown, like, poultry farm being like, ooh, that's a bit grim, isn't it? And then, yeah. yeah. He is accidentally Proust. Imagine, imagine killing that many chickens. <laughs> Give you a sense of almost unbridled power. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like a, like a kind of poultry god. <laughs> okay. All right, I, I think I think that's enough. That's enough, Adrian Childs, for us today. But I, I hope you enjoyed learning about a new guy. Uh, he is our, so much happier than any of us. If all journalism was that like this, so... like the world wouldn't be such an awful place. I mean, you know, if you yeah. if you offered me, you know, like Adrian Childs or Raphael Bear, you know, I would I would sacrifice the shoes article, joyful as it is, yeah. and just take Adrian Childs because he doesn't make things worse. You know. Oh. Adrian Childs would be like couldn't possibly be a turf because he'd write an article like oh today the, the men's toilet was blocked and I had to use the women's there was a very tall lady in there <laughs> very nice actually yeah yeah well he he couldn't because it would I think it would take like it would it would require sort of building on sort of scaffolding of earlier prejudices sort of of which he has none yeah. yeah yeah he's yeah. not capable of that level of hatred or obsession I don't think mm. no he because. If someone is just going, if someone experiences life as it occurs, sort of where sensations and thoughts arise, are considered, and then drift off into the ether, mm. and then he just sits down and writes and writes two hundred words of whatever thoughts are drifting in 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 front of his attention at that moment, and then care like my therapist says, I need to try to meditate, and I I haven't because I don't want I just, to. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not that. Yeah, right. I'm not that kind of a person. Yeah, I'm um, not fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I'm, I'm really a, a meditate, a meditative kind of Adrian person. Adrian Charles but, has never wondered if he is a meditation kind of person. Or if he has, yeah. he's, he's thought, he's, could I be a meditation kind of person? And but, then he just but, ends but the Adrian call. Charles bites, 
he bites into a pucker pie and it sends him off on a reverie about the <laughs> 1980s yes. and Solihull. But the thing is, the point I'm making here is that he doesn't need to ask if he's a meditative kind of person because he already is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he has no concept. Life there, is is no, there is no self beholding the self here. He has achieved Buddha nature. And the, the answer is clearly, if you meet Buddha on the road, uh, collapse the fence style beneath him and he will get a 300-word guardian column out of it. Yeah, just just bumping into Buddha and going, fucking hell, you better get that looked at. <laughs> Who's, what's that? Your buck's in a state. Is that Liverpudlian? No, that's Welsh. He was in Wales. Okay. He was in Wales. Oh, he was yeah. Gower true. Peninsula. That's right. Okay. I have to say, I'm a dolphin that's on heroin, and even I think that's a mess. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, hey, uh, let's uh, let's end let's end it there, people. Uh, Juliet, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and everybody, do listen to Sweet Two One Two. Any any specifics about Sweet Two One Two that might entice people into its sweet uh, arms? Ray. Um... We're currently actually on uh, hiatus. There's no new episodes until um, September, uh, at least. But during the pandemic, we did a great series of uh, interviews with uh, artists, writers, filmmakers called Sweet 212 Sessions. We did 18 of them, a uh, variety of people. We had like Jeremy Della, Mark Thomas, who is one of the few remaining British comedians who doesn't want to kill me now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after that article I wrote for Red Pepper. Um, it's just you and Mark Thomas and Josie Long now are the only ones who aren't that after my blood. Um, so we had him on, um, Owen Hathley, uh, Taishani, Ari Ashery, uh, really great range of guests. So yeah, soundcloud.com slash sweet dash two one two. Um, go and listen to it. That's, that, that's great. Actually. I, I love podcasts. I once, I once bumped into Ian Dunt, a, a little chef, uh, <laughs> He said, oh, no, they've run out of hash browns. I said, don't worry, Ian. You can have one of mine. Never thank me. <laughs> you are perfect at, at, at Alan Partridge. It is It's genuinely troublingly good, yeah. You know what we need to do? We need to do a Britonology of just all of Alan Partridge. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. How's that? How's that yeah. sit with you? Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> Uh, okay, right. Let, let's um. Jack and Akinori. Let's let's head out before Milo keeps doing more of his perfect Alan Partridge impressions. Juliet, well, thank there's you. no need for that. <laughs> thank you very much again for coming on. Um, and uh, hey, you know what? Um, thank you all of you for listening out there in uh in Radio Land. Um, I I now of course would like to hand over. Michael Michael York slash Bane. <laughs> You're God a big damn it. for you. Oh, hang on, does this yeah. make Riley Why? Dave Clifton? Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, go, I can hear them. I can't see them. <laughs> it's Dave Clifton. <laughs> like, thank you so much for listening. Buy it. Buy it. Buy a shirt. Help yourself to a Yorkie for the glove box. <laughs> Oh. oh my goodness. Can't touch me, I've got a big plate. <laughs> See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.